by conversion rate, you can figure out how many leads you need to reach that outcome and how much is each lead worth. So this is a very simplified way of actually calculating not just ROI, but also investment and also the value of each stage of your campaign or play. B2B has the potential to be electrifying, but the industry is paralyzed by a culture of conservatism, scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. I'm Benedict and today I'm joined by Duat Garrido, who is VP of Growth Marketing at real-time payment network company Vault. Um, Duat, a very, very warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Now, I took, I hazarded to have a go at your first name. I know that you did say that I could call you DG, but... Was I close enough or should I revert to DG? You were close enough, but feel free to revert back to DG. Wonderful. Well, for ease, from here here on in, um, it will be DG. Perfect. That's wonderful. Now, I've given a little bit of an introduction to you there in terms of growth market, real-time payment network company, Vault. Did I get that right? Is that broadly representative? It is. It is. It's pretty accurate, actually. So Vault is a, it's a fintech scale-up. Just came out of a Series B, uh, 60 million valuated in close to 400 million. Um, and it's it's the company building a network of networks for real-time payments. Um, and it's, it's an exciting time to be joining the company. Wonderful, wonderful. And today we're going to be talking about um, marketing attribution, which I, I think is a a, both a favorite and a dreaded topic, I think, within, <laughs> within the, the marketing community. Um, but as we all know, as um, there is further sort of intensification of scrutiny over marketing, um, budget allocation, resource, um, the importance of proving the value of marketing is becoming ever greater. Um, so to kick us off in terms of this, this conversation, I wanted to get your response to the provocative truth that if you try hard enough, and if you use a little bit of imagination, it is actually possible to successfully attribute every single marketing activity. Is that something that you'd agree with? Short answer is yes. Long answer is define activity. So <laughs> what I think is definitely possible and actually should be the job of any decent marketer is uh, attribute our success in business metrics to every single campaign uh, or every single play. What I don't think we should be doing is attributing success or a business metric to every single piece of content or interaction. So that's the long answer. Okay, that's, and I think that's a very, very important and interesting nuance. So given that I would imagine from your probably experience, but I can certainly see other people's experience um people will often conflate individual pieces of content individual pieces of creative with the wider campaign for you when you are going through that process of saying well this is what we attribute it's campaign level it's not content level how do you ensure there is that delineation well first of all it, it all starts with the definition of campaign and how you mm -hmm. set up your marketing strategy so for me what really did the eureka moment was when i started creating my own definition of a campaign, which is essentially a play. So I stepped away from the always on um, 
flywheel, something that, or, or rather hamster wheel, which we've all been stuck into for a long time. And that basically has been, um, has been inflicted upon us by, I believe, agencies and uh, software, marketing software tools. And it really makes very hard for a marketer to track the success of marketing activities if you work in an always-on system. Mm-hmm. Um, if you move from that to a campaign-by-campaign campaign or play-by-play play, uh, in an ABM motion, then it's actually incredibly easy to ensure that you can associate marketing ROI to everything that you do and that you track and attribute the success of every single marketing activity. It's a, I, I like the metaphor. I think it's a, it's a very important way of looking at things. If you are to put that, do that attribution based on a, on a campaign level, for you, when you look, I mean, I'm take a slight tangent here, but if you if you look across B2B marketing, you look at your peers, where do you think the balance is in terms of and that always on approach through to to campaigns? What what's the direction of travel at the moment? Do you think within B2B marketing? I think it varies widely. I think probably mm. most, I would say most companies right now are continue to be stuck in the always on hamster wheel, and then they mm. define campaigns in the most um, varied forms. For some campaigns are um, stakeholder induced um, activities. So mm-hmm. if someone from sustainability or someone from um, talent and acquisition wants uh, wants to set off a campaign that's company wide, and you as a marketer are just in charge of sharing that campaign externally mm-hmm. or or complementing that campaign. So it can be one definition. Uh, another weird definition of campaign is a paid activity. Mm. So, and that is is a campaign as is defined by, say, Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter mm. or YouTube, in which you start uh, um, a paid activity with a beginning and an end. For me, a campaign is, like I said, a play. Yep. So it is essentially anything, any marketing activity that you do with a specific target uh, outcome. And that, should, and that can be a mixture of uh, top of funnel, so demand creation, demand capture, conversion, and it can be a mixture of tactics and activities like events, paid social, paid search, SEO. It doesn't matter what you put in the campaign. The important thing is that that campaign has a target outcome, and that mm-hmm. target outcome has to be a business outcome, say yep. acquiring 10 new customers, for example. Then you quantify how much those 10 new customers are worth to you by looking at lifetime value, for example. And then you can calculate what is the amount of budget by looking at historical conversion rates. You can calculate how, what, what amount of budget you need to reach that objective. Mm-hmm. And then you can even go for every single stage of, the, of that campaign. So from MQL to SQL um, to stage one, stage two, to close one. By conversion rate, you can figure out how many leads you need to reach that outcome and how much is each lead worth. So this is a very simplified way of actually calculating not just ROI, but also investment and also the value of each stage of your campaign or play. And very, very systematic there. And I think that what you're 
inherently talking about there is being very, very aligned to the business and specifically the commercial teams when it comes to identifying what those outcomes are. So, um, you know, to extend the play analogy, take, take us behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah, what, what does it look like at the beginning when you're sitting down, I suppose, with the commercial team or whoever, other business stakeholders to identify what the right outcomes are? Because definitely I think relate to a lot of marketing campaigns marketing for marketing's sake rather than thinking about a business outcome so so how do you define that business outcome with your, the team so first you you have to find out what are the business objectives for the year or for mm. two years or five years but what are the broad business objectives what is the company trying to accomplish is it increased revenue is it closing big logos is it uh, owning a category is it creating a mm. category what are your broad business objectives that the commercial team is already aligned on, hopefully, mm -hmm. that RevOps is already involved in and quantifying, and how can you contribute as a marketer? So you start by your business objectives, then you set up, okay, what motions do I need to put in place for each of them? And by motions, I mean the classic demand creation, demand um, capture and demand conversion, um, nurture of current accounts. So what is the broad strategy to reach each of those objectives? Mm -hmm. And then you can go for specific tactics and then channels, and then what metrics you're gonna actually mm. look at. And by metrics, I mean, in the first instance, probably marketing metrics to determine successive channels and successive pieces of content, right? But those are not the metrics that you're gonna share with the board or with the senior leadership team. Mm -hmm. The ultimate key metric should be a business metric, ARR, um, new deals, marketing influenced or marketing generated pipeline. Those are the metrics that ultimately every single campaign needs to lead to because mm -hmm. the purpose of any marketing function is to grow the business. There is no other, there is no other purpose, right? Mm. We can, we can fool ourselves into believing that marketing is here for things like share of voice, brand awareness. Uh, ultimately, all of these metrics are a means to an end, and the end mm -hmm. is growth. It's business yep. growth. Mm -hmm. Share of voice should lead to business growth. Brand awareness should lead to business growth, right? So we need to, we need to keep our eyes on the ball. No, absolutely. And I think that... Everything ultimately does connect to to business growth, but what there is potentially is a difference is how directly or under what time frame that it leads to business growth. So, so clearly, when we're taking sort of more of a sort of a demand generation um, sort of like campaign, you can get to a point of saying this is how many leads I need to to get in, and my conversion rate is this, and this therefore that's how much value it's going to represent to the business. When we're looking at brand activity. Um, which has a longer term sort of play to it. Um, there's that whole sort of like truth that at any point you've only got 5% of in your people in within your market who are ready for buying. 95% are actually just you need to influence for a longer term. When there is that sort of slight disconnect between a sort of an immediate result, how do you go about, I suppose, firstly communicating the role of taking a brand-led um, uh, campaign approach? And then secondly, how do you make sure that there is that sort of clear line of attribution when it happens over a longer time frame? That's an excellent question. Essentially, you live by three rules. 
all your campaigns or all your plays, if it's an mm-hmm. ABM play, need to be tied to a financial target. Yep. Second rule is MROI should not be tied to a fiscal year. So that gives you that long-term um, leeway, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you, if you're doing a demand creation play or a demand creation campaign, then it won't have immediate effect, but you need to, do, you need to determine when you expect that effect to come and mm-hmm. how you're going to measure it and how you're going to attribute it. And it is possible to attribute, but we'll get to that in a second. And thirdly, every stage of the funnel should be worth exactly the same. And this comes back to attribution. So if we look at, at attribution, you've got two ways of attribute success. One of them is direct attribution via software. And that is ultimately, it only really works for demand capture and demand conversion. So bottom of the funnel um, campaigns or pieces mm-hmm. of content or interactions, but bottom, but, but upper funnel stuff needs, still needs to be tracked and it can't be tracked via direct attribution. So it needs to be tracked via self-reported attribution. So you need to have two things in place. You need to have your SDR team asking the question in each discovery call, how did you first hear from us? Yep. And you need to be adding that to your Salesforce or to whatever CRM you're using. And secondly, you need to put together a, a form I would say probably a drop down instead of a free form uh, in your lead magnets on your website. Again, how did you hear from us? That attributes uh, that possible closed one deal mm-hmm. to any top of funnel activity that you have played or any top of funnel campaign that you've played before. So mm-hmm. that's the way of attributing success. Now, there is a top of funnel for me has two benefits it has that, right? Which is if someone, say, heard your CEO talk on a podcast or learned about your company at an event and then eventually became a close one deal three, four, six months after, that interaction, that top of funnel interaction, needs to be worth exactly the same as the lead magnet that closed it or that, that, that sent it to SQL, right? Mm-hmm. The value needs to be exactly the same. And that's how you quantify it. That's how you quantify each stage of the funnel. But most importantly, you realize that in parallel to that very metric and ROI-focused activity, every top of funnel campaign that you put out is also, like you said, increasing your total addressable market at the same time. And that you don't need to quantify. You just trust that while you're doing it, a side effect, almost a collateral effect, of that top of funnel activity is you're increasing your total addressable market. Mm-hmm. So in time, you can trust your bottom of the funnel activities will be will have higher conversion rates just because you, uh, you have been doing that problem awareness, solution awareness, brand awareness uh, activity in parallel. Mm. And, and it's interesting that that is almost the one exception then, isn't it, in terms of <laughs> when we're talking around attribution. Now, for, for me, I completely by what what you're saying there because i understand the role that longer term brand building you know has from your experience how how receptive and how trusting i suppose are stakeholders in your business outside of marketing when you're talking around the the long term effects of brand building so that's why this attribution model is important mm. is precisely to avoid being caught up in that discussion with senior mm-hmm. leadership 
or with uh, the commercial team or worse with finance. Basically, by attributing the same worth for every stage of the funnel, for every yeah. single interaction, you are defending and proving the value of your top of funnel activities. Mm -hmm. The rest that we know works is a collateral. So we can add that as a side note, say, by the way, while we're doing this, we're increasing our total addressable yeah. or total relevant market. But we don't need to measure that. We mm -hmm. don't need to be caught up in that conversation because we're already attributing value to those activities. Yeah. No, I, I like the idea of giving equal weighting to brand. I'm, I'm sure that some people in uh, the sales team uh, might have a slightly different opinion in terms of the, the level of in influence. But I think that absolutely there is a strong case to be to be made there. Um, I was also just interested, you talked about the importance of um, talking about how you're going to see a return and attributing value outside of a financial year. And I think that's something which a lot of companies, not even just marketers, struggle with because we're so conditioned to be working in these 12 month cycles. Um, I'd be interested to hear but your experience in terms of the pushback you've had and how you've managed to sort of really get people to sort of move out of that really blinkered thinking. It's tough. It will depend on the company that you're in. It will depend on your relationship with uh, senior leadership and with the finance team. It's something that you have to build. It's based on trust. Yeah. Uh, it is easy to explain why it can't be tied to a fiscal year. Mm. It's not easy to then agree that it needs to. And ultimately, it's on you as a marketer to sell that uh, vision and to sell that strategy. But the truth of the matter is, if you fall into that trap of having to prove value of, of every campaign by the end of the fiscal year, you're bound for failure. It just can't mm -hmm. happen. Um, but you can deliver enough short-term results by picking those who are already in market with very classic demand capture or lead gen, whatever you want to call them, campaigns, then you can keep stakeholders happy, but, you've, but you realize that the MROI of your top of funnel, that is long-term, or, or at least it will extend definitely beyond the fiscal year. Mm -hmm. Now, a good way of going around that is by setting ABM plays, and this you need to have a very coordinated uh, and aligned go-to-market team. But if marketing, the SDR team, and sales have uh, joint plays that work quarter by quarter, then actually it is possible to prove ROI within a fiscal year. But to get to that stage is very, very difficult. It requires a lot of alignment. Um, it's a calendarization of setting up what your target accounts are, studying them, marketing, uh, putting out campaigns six, mm -hmm. six weeks before um, as the SDR team kicks in, sets up calls, and then passes them on to sales and sales tries to close them within that target time limit. This is possible, but it's a dream state. Um, and, and, it, and it requires that go-to-market approach of not even, not even seeing marketing SDR and sales as three separate teams, but seeing them as three points of attack uh, within the same team, uh, but just beautifully coordinated and orchestrated. So um, I understand that no, 
not everyone is there. Actually, there's not a lot of people that are probably there at the moment, but maybe it's something to uh, aspire to. I mean, almost what you've described there, you've gone beyond your play analogy to describing a ballet in terms of how perfectly coordinated yeah. things, things, things are. Um, my, my final question, actually, is I suppose it's a little bit more of a, a philosophical question around the sort of the race to, to attribution. I just wonder, what's your opinion on the risks of going too far down a attribution quantification approach? at the expense of slightly more creative, slightly more risky marketing activity? So for me, the two aren't uh, mutually exclusive. I don't mm -hmm. see how going, how attributing success can influence, can poorly mm -hmm. influence creative. Mm -hmm. I think us as marketers, we tend to, we tend to think of ourselves as the ultimate judges of what good creative looks like, but ultimately the good, a good creative is a creative that closes. Yes. A and if it doesn't close, then we might think it's the best piece of content we've ever seen. Um, even the senior leadership team may think it's the best piece of content they've ever seen. But if it's not effective, it's mm -hmm. not good creative. And this is something that we need to embrace as a universal truth and get out of our sort of high pedestal of, uh, of, of, um, of creativity. Um, it takes me back to um, to the, the, that old mantra of you know we're we're here to do business. We're not artists, right? Art is something that's highly subjective. Mm -hmm. We are here to do business to help the business grow. Creativity is incredible. It's it's a powerful weapon, but it need but it's a weapon. It's something to be used to achieve a goal. It's mm -hmm. not an end in of, in and of itself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, creative is fundamentally there to be persuasive and to change people's minds, make them think differently, act, behave differently, etc. Uh, so I think that's exactly the right way of looking at it. And I think also we're probably seeing that direction of travel within the wider industry certainly um, can traditionally, traditionally was a celebration of the artistic um, so can lion, sorry. Uh, it was celebration of the, the artistic, but there is so much greater emphasis now on looking at the effectiveness um, of, of that creative. So I think that that is the right way round of doing things. Uh, and I do also agree that we're not artists, ultimately. Artists, you're doing it for a very, very different reasons. We are doing it for a very pragmatic reason, um, which is to try and impact and influence um, an audience. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that was uh, very, very accurate. And I, um, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you a little bit, because obviously you did say that we're not artists, but playwrights potentially are, have a little bit of an artistic um, uh, sort of lean to them. Uh, but I think that that is a forgivable sort of distinction. Um, DG, I, I found this a fantastically um, interesting conversation, but also very, very um, informative because of the way that you've been able to structure this out. And I think this is almost the, the overriding message which I, I've got from this is that when you are looking at attribution, it's all about breaking things down, understanding how it maps across the funnel and being very, very systematic in looking at what is meaningful at each different stage. Um, but what I also liked is arguably, I suppose, the simplicity, but also the equity that you put to what value each of those different touch points had. I think that there would be a sort of a temptation, as I alluded to earlier, to attribute far, far greater weighting to what happens down the bottom of the funnel 
based on a salesperson's interaction. But to actually to give that sort of equivalence to top of the funnel brand activity, I think is enormously helpful, not only because it's easier to understand, but also because it's much easier than to persuade stakeholders within the business about the approach. So thank you very, very much for joining on the podcast. Um, as I said, that was a very, very interesting and insightful conversation. My pleasure. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.